I'm confident. I mean, I know what kind of player I am and who I am, but I think that, uh, you know, for in that moment, you know, I that was the manager's decision, and I'm, you know, just excited that we were able to win that game. Kevin got a hit, got the job done, so that was huge. And then for me today to come up there and win the game, um, you know, I think, you know, it obviously makes me feel good to help this team win, but, you know, I know that, uh, you know, I've helped this team win a lot of games, and I'm not... I, I have no no ego, so I'm I'm okay with the decision, and I'm you know I'm just ready to you know take advantage of all my opportunities. Oh, I think on Friday I told all of you not to worry. Maybe now you'll listen to me. That was Matt Chapman of the Toronto Blue Jays, yesterday's hero in uh, the Jays' three-two win over the Boston Red Sox. A series sweep of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, A sweep that has left the Blue Jays in the second wild card spot. uh, Half a game up on uh, Texas. Um, Where to begin? (laughs) A game up in Seattle. Yes. Game and a half up in Seattle. It's easy for me. The the pitching will take them where they want to go, right? The pitching was terrific. It's (laughs) it's really, really good, right? Everybody everybody that John goes to is throwing strikes. They're efficient. uh, Pitches per inning, like, you know, attacking weaknesses. Red Sox were having some issues with velocity. They, you know, went away from adding and subtracting and started throwing more velocity and in and out, up and down, that that quadrant kind of thing with, with... Dudes that have some longer swings and and have slower bats this time of the year, you attack that, you adapt and overcome in game. That's what really good staffs do, and that for me is sort of what separates the Blue Jays from a lot of other teams. Is is they can lean on, you know, twelve or thirteen dudes to go out there. They really don't have a weakness. I mean, Jimmy Garcia, you're closing your eyes when he's throwing. Chad Green's curveball, you're sort of closing your eyes there. Who else? I mean, Trevor Richards, I guess, right now, arm speed on the changeup. Jordan and Hicks is still got a, not got a little fun. Jo- I mean, still, it's 101, though. Like, I, you're throwing yeah. it. You're throwing it. Let, let, run him out there. The point is, for the most part, most of the guys, if you put them in the right pocket, they're going to give you a chance to come out and score some runs after they, they leave the game and win a baseball game. So, yeah, the MVP was a Matt Chapman. The MVP was the pitching staff. They gave up five runs in 31 innings. Yeah, Matt Chapman got the big hit yesterday, though, after being uh, pinch hit for yeah, he earned Saturday. That. He earned that. He earned that. Yeah, like I he did. I, I mean, I, he's, he's four for his last 21. Uh, he's, you know, the, the Red Sox, if they could elevate a fastball to him, right now consistently because of the, the collapse of the back knee creates a little too much loft with his barrel. He's an easy out. Like I, you can't blame John for that. Like that's. I don't that's, think anybody was that's blaming what you John. You want to do right? You want to? I don't think you... anybody was blaming John. I think people were happy. I did. Anybody blame John no, for pinch I don't think so. But uh, Chapman's an everyday guy. It's not the easiest conversation well, that's, that's, to walk up to a guy and say that. But he that's actually what I'm did saying. It and they actually did it. That's and... what I'm saying. I'm giving the, the manager credit. There yeah. are managers who wouldn't do that. This manager might not have done it a week ago. No, I don't think that's true. No. Uh, sweep for the Blue Jays. The Red Sox helped. Three for 33 with runners in scoring position, almost like the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Uh, including it's contagious, uh, I it, think. It is, including <laughs> one for 14 yesterday. Uh, on, on Saturday, the Jays, boy, Saturday was a... Uh, uh, yeah, Saturday was a, a, a an exhibition of uh, well, it was an exhibition of d- 
baseball. The Red Sox were two for mm. 15 with runners in scoring position. Jays three for 16. Uh, those three hits pretty much equaled uh, the number of dumb decisions the Jays made in the base pass Saturday as well. I mean, again, you're, you're not going to get style points. You're not worried about style points at this time. Wins, you're just worried wins, about the win. The win. Yeah, but, the, the Bo Bichette one, look, the optics of that right well, fielder okay, momentum coming into to your me target. Because, uh, I, explain that to me because I didn't think it was that egregious. I almost yeah, could the, see why Bo op- did what he did. did not, but. No, the optics of the whole thing of you're not going anywhere. The only way you're scoring on that ball is if you run back, back and tag up. Now, the momentum from the right fielder, Probably you don't send him there. But the optics of you not allowing your third base coach to actually send you is the whole why everybody was throwing their hands in the air. What are you doing? But don't we always terrible. say don't we like, always say that you want you don't want to, you don't want the third base coach to make that decision. You want to force the yeah, third base sta- coach sta- to sta- stop you. He's standing right beside you. That's when you're going second to home, first to third, first to home. When you're tagging up on a ball, he's basically going to stand right there and and it's going to be a, you know, we're doing it together kind of thing, right? And just the fact that his positive move was his first move is not always the best move. The uh, Jays have today off. They start a three-game series against the Yankees tomorrow. We'll do a quick recap of the standings. The Baltimore Orioles have clinched a playoff spot. They are 93-56. and 56. They took two of three from the Tampa Bay Rays in the weekend. Um, the Houston Astros are currently leading the West. They are 84-66. and 66. Minnesota leads the Central 79-71. The wild-card race Tampa has also clinched a playoff spot. They're 92 and 59. Toronto's 83 and 67. Texas is 82 and 67. Seattle is uh, 81 and 68. Both Seattle, no, I'm laughing about this. Both Seattle and Texas lost on the weekend. Lost three in a row, I should say. Texas. Um, three teams fighting for two spots. Yeah. Te- uh, Texas, te- Texas done in by the. Done by the Cleveland Indians or Cleveland Guardians. That series was kind of uh, that was almost what I expected to see when Texas played Toronto. To be quite honest, but uh, there we are. We mentioned Seattle, eighty-one to sixty-eight. The Yankees are seventy-six and seventy-four, and the Boston Red Sox are two and eight. They've lost four in a row. They are seventy-four and seventy-six. There is a ton to talk about uh, in that three-game series. You're absolutely right. The pitching was really good. Uh, John Schneider uh, getting that win yesterday with Jordan Romano and Jordan Hicks not available. Got to talk about Kevin Biggio. Um, he's come through uh, for John Schneider. He's taking advantage of opportunities. He's taking advantage of others. He's got a little baseball you know? IQ, too, when he was running around second base on the double off the wall. He actually stopped to make sure the guy didn't catch that it. That he didn't catch That's it. That's baseball yeah. 101, right? You don't let the moment, the crowd yelling and screaming. You know, you get caught up in the moment. You just put your head down like a little leaguer, run around the bases. Guy catches it. You get doubled off. Like he had the awareness to know you round it. You got to stop, make sure the dude doesn't catch it. You're going to score because you're fast enough. You run good enough routes around the bases. Look, I, I I like it that John had a conversation and said, I can't have your back much longer. You're hitting buck 90. Buck 90 is a buck 90. You got to fix this thing. You got to stand a little taller through your swing. Give your chances, uh, yourself at least a chance to level out your swing, cover more quadrants, use somewhat of the other side of the field. Saw that yesterday, right? Was the, the single to left field on the 3-2 pitch. That's not trying to do too much. If he uses this, the... The mechanics that he had, say, three months ago, that's an out. 
he swings through that. But because he's taller and his swing's a little bit more level, he's able to get the barrel to the baseball. The ball goes where it's pitched. It's baseball 101, right? And just, again, you give John, you give the organization, you get Kevin. Everybody there has some credit. Not every manager in baseball would stick with a dude who, quite frankly, at the beginning of the season for a long period of time, didn't look like a big leaguer. Like, we could say it. He didn't. Like, he, offensively, he was a real easy out. And the eight-pitch out, you can roll your eye at that. It, I was. Like, you just, that was only going to last so much longer. Give him credit. He knew that it wasn't going to work. He went to ask for help, which is, not, again, not the easiest thing to do. They got in a, in a batting cage. Figured out how to just give yourself a chance. Probably not going to play every day. I mean, he is now because he's he's a tough out and he's really good wherever they put him defensively. I mean, it's a hard move to go from right to third. Ball, bats different, bat speed, like just everything because they, most guys are right-handed. When they pull a ball, ball to you at third base looks different than it would if a right-handed hitter would hit you something in right field. It's like that slice, right? So you got to run routes better. You got to get better jumps. You got to leave your feet when you're supposed to in the outfield on a righty hitting that ball. So there's so many things go into that. And he's playing with a little confidence too, which is a big deal. So he might be their best base runner. Speaking of confidence, Vladdy Jr. Yeah, I mean, that's real simple for me. I, he's got one move down. One one move. I, that uh, We had our doubts on why he was on the field. You know, hitting, well, is it eyewash? Is it to show everybody that he's, you know, he's trying. He's giving it the old college try because he wants to make sure everybody knows that. Not for me. I think for me, that's more of direction. If you have direction and you can actually see a ball that you hit to right field as a right-handed hitter where it's not tailing, it's not hooking, it's straight. If I hit it and everything's working together and I can have good direction with my shoulders and I can get to my finish, the ball to right center should be straight. And I need to see that. And you know, you can see carry, you can see if it dies where you're having more top spin and you are backspin, like everything goes, comes into play there. The last however many games here, that for me is what it is. That fruition now, his hands are following his feet. Every, everything works from the ground up. When, you're, when your feet are on time with whenever you want to start, when that pitcher's releasing the baseball, and everything follows that, like it's not in parts where your foot starts – then your hands start. No, mm-hmm. once my foot starts, my hands, that thing he does with his hands, and that keeps it from moving too low. If it goes too low, what's it doing? It's playing catch up. It's trying to get back up. Then he's got lean back, and he hits that little ground ball that everybody hates to see because he doesn't run balls out to first base to the left side of the infield. Now, because that's on time, it at least gives him an, an ability to keep the shoulder square stay through the baseball, and even if he gets a breaking ball out front and he's fooled on it because he has good lower half, good direction with his shoulders, hands stay through it, he can create that backspin by getting the barrel above the head. It's, again, that dude's elite when he is doing the things he's doing right now mechanically. He's homered in three straight games. That was uh, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Homered in three straight games. That's a fourth time in his career that he's homered in three straight games. The Jays walked off two of those wins with Merrifield on an infield hit. Boy, he needed that. <sighs> he needed it. We all needed it on Saturday in a 4-3 Jays win. And then, of course, yesterday, Matt Chapman 
uh, delivering Jeff, Jeff, the they, blow. They, in the last seven games, <clears throat> now let's just tell you what were sort of their lineups at. Chapman, Varsho, Kirk, Schneider, Witt. 16 for 105. They're basically doing absolutely nothing. Like it's – and for them to have the rotation that they have and, and the bullpen, you know, there's some guys down there fighting it. Like they pitched a lot and, you know, they're trying to force – location and you know sometimes when you aim it you leave a ball where you don't want him to leave it and you get hurt for it but for the most part man you can't argue that and the defense is stepping up well, and making the plays they're supposed to make and and the, the the pitching is allowing them to overcome things that they're not doing well between the years like the vladdy not tagging up i mean there's no excuse for that you can't do that at the big league level especially elite guys that you count on to do elite things every single day so does it bother you that we're still that we're still seeing that from this team, or is that just we we've said it's one of those years offensively for this team? Is that just part and parcel of it? You mean the offensive side of it? Yeah, just the some of the 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 bad decision making we're seeing offensively. Yeah, is that? I mean, I don't want to be I don't want to be mean here, but is Kirk a good hitter? Is Varsho a good hitter? He's got a lot to learn, right? Is Witt getting a little older and he looks that way right I'm talking now? Talking about the, yeah. the mistakes we're seeing on base oh, on the basis. Is that how, how much of that See, I, is like these guys I, know they're not scoring a I lot mean, of runs either, I, right? Well, you would think they put more emphasis on tagging up, making it easier for the guy coming to the plate. I, there's no excuse for that. Like I, again, the Bo Bichette thing where the the right fielder's running in with the momentum, that's a tough one. Like you, he's either going to go or he's not, but you got to give the third base coach and you an opportunity to make up your mind one way or the other. The Vladdy thing where a center fielder leaves his feet, I'm chewing him out like there ain't no tomorrow. Like, there, there's no excuse for that late in the game to not tag up and go to third base. Like, there's just no excuse for it. To Again, to make your positive move the way you are. I've said this. Everything starts before the play actually happens. Vladdy's not a fast runner, but mm. he's a good base runner. So, to be able to go to the next base, smaller lead, Big secondary lead. That way it sort of takes that positive move to where you don't want to go on a pop, little pop-up. Now your first move is freeze, go back. Because I got a big secondary lead, and it just feels weird to get bigger. That's Mm -hmm. why you do that, right? Right. It just makes common sense for you to sort of eliminate the process of me screwing this up. You have to do it. By the way it. my start is, You have right? no choice. Small yeah. lead, big secondary lead. Now it goes in the air. My first move is freeze, walk back, sort of. Then I run back, I tag up, I go. Instead of my, because my lead's not big enough, I want to get a secondary lead after the ball goes in the air, and then I totally screw it up, and people are booing and yelling and screaming. That's the fact, right? This time of the year, it's the little things. And say they make the playoffs. You facing better teams like the Rays, like the Orioles, like like the Rangers if they get in, like the Mar- like some really good teams that those one little plays where you don't tag up because of the Chapmans and the Varshows and the Kirks and the Schneiders and the Whit Merrifields, like you have to do the little things to make it easy on guys, especially when they're struggling. You mentioned defense, and uh, Buck made this comment. Uh, Buck made this comment during during yesterday's game as well. Um, the fact that we don't notice Bo's defense, does that mean it's gotten better? 
And when we do notice it, I'm thinking yesterday, uh, you know, for example, that... Uh, cut Devers you know, down at the plate. Cut Devers down at the plate. Or frankly, even um, even, even uh, the, the double play with, with Schneider yesterday, where Schneider had to cover a fair amount of ground and, and turn. It just seemed to me that we haven't... We don't talk about Bo's defense as much as we used to. And that's probably a good thing. Yeah, it means he's not chucking the ball in the fourth row. Like he had... You know, again, he's a human being. He's going to make errors, but... I think he's got a lot of confidence. Like, there's no – he doesn't hesitate anymore. Like, no. there's not a – I'm around it. I'm catching it. Where am I going? Like, he sort of thought it through already because he's done it in batting practice. He's done it in early work. I mean, every time we're there, he's the first ones out. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but it is true. Like, he's always the first one out there taking the ground balls and getting around balls. And I think the more you do it, when it's hit to you in the game, you already know where you're going. Right. And then it just sort of falls in place, and you follow your throws, and you make quality throws, and you get people out. Uh, we'll be joined by Jason Stark later on in the show. We've got tickets to give away to see the Yankees and Jays in the final homestand. We're going to take a look around the wild card. We usually do that on Mondays. This time, though, we're going to take a look around the wild card with reporters. We've got Aaron Goldsmith, the Seattle Mariners TV play-by-play voice. Kennedy Landry covers the Texas Rangers for MLB.com. Ben McDonald is Baltimore Orioles analyst, and Brian McTaggart. Longtime uh, beat reporter covering the Houston Astros for MLB.com. Great show. Um, all right. Tampa or Minnesota? Who'd you rather face? Finish second, finishing the second wild card, you're going to get Tampa. Yeah. Finishing the third wild card, you're going to get Minnesota. Well, the question is would you rather go to cold? Or the friendly See, compounds, compounds of uh I'd rather go to Tampa. Tampa. You think so? I'd rather go to Tampa. Uh, yeah, I see, with the pitching, I'm not sure it matters. Like, I is it would it change anything the biggest if you go to Minnesota or you go to Tampa? Forget yes. about the team you're no. facing. Biggest thing, biggest thing going to Minnesota, the Minnesota Twins own Kevin Gossman. They've owned him for two years now. He's going to be your your starter. Again, we don't know how the final week will turn out. Yeah. I, I swear to God, I would much rather face the Rays than mm. face Minnesota. It's got nothing to do with indoors, outdoors. It's I would take the matchup against the Rays, the pitching matchup against the Rays, before I take it against Minnesota. That's just un, un, unless, unless the Jays know now – Anytime Kevin Gossman faces the Twins, it's the same storyline for the most part. And we all come away saying they got something on him. So I'm looking at it that way. All things considered, I'd rather go to Tampa. And and, and it really is nothing with the cold weather. I mean, you know, it's not like it's going to be snowing in Minnesota. Newsflash, it's going to be cold. You're probably going to be playing... How many wild card games are there? Three. You're, you're probably playing one of the day games in Minnesota. I don't think that would be the, the night I game. I think so, yeah. Right? Absolutely. I don't think that would be the prime time game. No. Uh, so you're probably playing the early game or the mm. middle game. So I have, I have, yeah, I have no problem. I have no problem. I, I haven't put a, a lot of, th- <clears throat> excuse me, a lot, a lot of thought into that. But well, it only occurred to me today because yeah, up yeah. to this point, there was no point in. Th- Worrying about who the hell you're going to face. I mean, in the do they hit? I guess they hit a little bit better on the road. I don't think that really matters. Uh, uh, they pitch. Yeah, just they're going to be on the road. Home as they do they're going to the be road. on the road. They play defense just as well. Yeah, so I. They're, they're not going to have any home. I'm game. not sure it matters. I, I I think this team is. I think sometimes this team can't get out of its own way. I'm not sure it matters. Like I I think if they go and play clean baseball. 
they got a chance of beating either one of them teams. I, that's that's how I'm going to look at that. Like I, I don't think where they're doing it either in Minnesota or Tampa. I mean, they know Tampa. They got confidence playing Tampa. The pitching for Minnesota and the weather is going to be tough there. Like they're going to have some things to overcome. With both teams. I mean, they're going. They're playing the Yankees. The weather in Minnesota is going to be no worse than it's yeah, going to be it's, playing I the mean, Yankees I, tonight. I guess. Tomorrow, you mean? I tomorrow. guess. I yeah, guess. It's not. I mean, it's going to be in the 50s, I think, in Yankee Stadium. I saw the weather. Low, low of mid-50s. I guess. So, I, yeah, I think it's. I, I think for me it's more about the Blue Jays than it is either one of those teams. Now, the, the if they get past that, then you can start thinking about matchups and who would you – you know, have a little few more issues with, and, you know, if it's, well, again, the, Astros, that's, it's the Astros, how's that's, it, how are you going to handle that? That's Listen. fair. If you need Gossman to pitch to get you into the playoffs, you I mean, know, you got to do gonna, what you got to do. You got to do what you yeah, got to do. Exactly. Uh, I'll ask you this. Yep. Does it matter who they face? If if they can line it up, who's your number? Who's your first guy? Forget about the Minnesota Tampa. Who Who is it? Like, who would you feel more confident handing the ball to? Because regardless of whether they got something on Godsman or not, he's getting game one or two. Yeah, I got to I got to get. Well, I got to get lined him, up. I got to give him the ball in game one. I think they also don't they haven't they pit, hit pretty well against Barrios too since uh, the deal. I'm going to check. Uh, I got. I listen based based on the way lot, the playoffs ended last year. I've got to. I've got to give Goss. You, I've got to give Gossman the ball. You know you I have can, to give Gossman. You can the ball. overthink it. Yeah, I have to give. <laughs> you no, know, I'm, the khakis are on the plane. If they get there and everything's lined up, they're gonna over, they're gonna try and overthink it. I have to give Gossman the I, ball. That's me too. I have to. Like get I, it. it's a give game it two. Me. You're one and two guy. Gossman, we agree on. No, see, game two, I I truly believe this. Let's see what happens in game one. If the Jays win game one, who's your second best starter? Probably Barrios right now. See, I like Bassett, but I was gonna say. If if the Jays win game one, I'm going with Bassett in game two, and I'm holding Barrios. I'm back. not sure you can do that to veteran guys. Like you're going to have to, you're, you're going to have to line them up. Like they, that well, you are. You, you, uh, you, I just, uh, yeah, you, you just don't say game it. one. You just can't go. Oh, if we lose, no, you just you're playing because you, we think you're no, the better pitcher. I don't, don't think it's going to work that say, way. You just don't say it publicly. They're going to line it up. You don't. You don't say it publicly. Uh, I, I mean, I think that's silly, frankly. That you know you, that you. But you're worried about you're worried about guys' feelings. Well, I think they're the reason why you're there. Well, yeah, I, I think it is about feelings. When you're when you're the reason why they're in the playoffs, absolutely. Yeah, like I, it is. It I would mean, be for I, me I, if I was one of the five guys. I'd want to know. Frankly, when I, was don't think, I frankly don't think it's going to matter because they're going to need those games are going to matter I'm going in going into the you. final week. You're not. You could have an opener. So what you could have an opener in game one. So for what the way you're saying go. is, if it's any of the five, the way they're pitching, you're fine with it. They're yeah, going to oh, give you a decent chance yeah, I, to have a big inning. If it's me, I'd rather not have Ryu start. Yeah. If it's me, I'd I'd want he has to have a lock I'd, I'd want one of the I'd want one of the other four. I do think if you can line it up, I almost think Gossman is the because of what happened last. Because of what happened yeah, last yeah. year and I how think, he's been this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I am a big believer, and we'll we'll talk about. Again, we'll talk publicly about the. I can tell the guys the day before this is what we're going to do, but publicly, I don't have to let anybody know what I'm going to do with my starting pitching until until uh, after the first game. Yeah, I'm sure they won't do that, but I'm sure the guys will know. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I could go. I could go either way. I could go either way with uh, with the pitching, which is 
you know, which is rare. I, Kikuchi intrigues me. I don't know. I, I haven't done a deep dive into who he matches up better against or, or, or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, you've got to go with Gossman in game one. Um, I, I, Bassett I'd be okay with in game two. I, I don't think you can go Win wrong. Win or lose. I mean, There's if I, some thought going yeah, to go into that a little. It, yeah, yeah. It would be all hands on deck, but. I mean, if I can. Yeah. Yeah, if I can if I can win that series in game two, I'm probably going with Gossman or with Bassett. The other thing is I think, you know, if 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 push comes to shove, I think you could probably use if you had to Barrios could give you some work out well, of the pen. The but I mean they're not they've got so if, many relievers. If the next twelve man. games that Vladdy could stay hot. Well that would, that would help. Like you you're all of a sudden going to the playoffs now, changing your mind about the way you think about the Blue Jays. What? Well, yeah, I, I mean, know it, I am. If Vladdy stays hot and is a threat, and you have to pitch around him, absolutely. Yeah, although uh, I know who's hitting behind him, but I absolutely it, it would <laughs> absolutely. be it, it would be it would be nice to have it would be nice to have all those three guys at the top of the order going. I it, think I might really be wishful would. thinking. I think it probably is. It too. is, yeah. I would take Vladdy though if if he it it as long as there's. If they, if they could, this is what we saw this weekend is probably what we're going to see. Yeah, I don't know about hitting cleanup. Right. I don't know if David Schneider in the playoff game can hit cleanup or not. That that's I don't know what the options are. I'm with you, but it's I I mean because it'll get to the point where they'll pitch around Vladdy to get to Davis, and and you know now it's the fastball away, it's well, the slider away. That's a great question, but it, it's a it's a it's a thing now. Like, I mean, everybody loves Davis. I do. It's it's great, but he's three for his last twenty eight. He's three for his last twenty eight for a reason. Yeah, like it, now it's the pressure of well, he's they that guy's on. There's evidence now, right? There's, there's one, evidence two now here. too. I got yeah. the, the elevated fastball taken care of. I'm a pull hitter now. I don't like stuff away now. How do I do it? Like it's a lot. Aaron Goldsmith is a Seattle Mariners TV play-by-play voice. He will join us next. We're going to take a look around the wild card, starting with the Seattle Mariners and the Texas Rangers. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkin Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Around the wild, wild, wild card. I mean, I thought we were going to do away with that. No way. We weren't going to do the around the Wishful wild card. Wishful thinking for you. Jays have. It's catchy. The Jays have uh, tonight off. They'll start a three-game series against the New York Yankees tomorrow. With you say Kikuchi on the mound uh, against Clark Schmidt. We'll have that game on Sportsnet 590, the fan at Sportsnet. Uh, we're going to take the opportunity today to do what we normally do on a Monday, and that is take a look around the wild card. Uh, and uh, <laughs> as we mentioned, things have changed <clears throat> since we uh, last exactly. spoke to you on Friday. Yeah. Um, the Jays are currently in the second wild card after sweeping the Red Sox. The Seattle Mariners, meanwhile, uh, who are on their final road trip of the season, start a three-game series tonight against the Oakland Athletics. Um, the Mariners, uh, are, uh, as, as we sit here, the Mariners are coming off a two, four homestand against the angels and the Dodgers. And, um, 
yeah, they're still very much in the playoff picture. They're in third place in the AL West, two and a half games back of the Astros, one game back of the Rangers for the third AL wildcard and a game and a half back of the Toronto Blue Jays. Aaron Goldsmith is the Seattle Mariners TV play-by-play voice. He joins us on Blair and Barker. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us today. We uh, appreciate this ahead of a uh, ahead of a game against uh, against the the Oakland Athletics. Um, boy, look, we saw the Mariners in August, and that was, I mean, scoring and playing and winning at a historical pace. September's been a little different. Can you uh, pinpoint any one or two particular things? Yeah, good to be with you guys. Well, August was one of those truly all-time months for the Mariners. It was a historic month. They've never had a better month in franchise history. So I think we all realistically expected there to be some natural drop-off. I think the thing that's been surprising about September so far, you knew that the offense would cool down. It, it, it could only go at that pace for so long. But the pitching, which has been the bedrock of this franchise, not just this year, but for years now at this point, the pitching has not been the same. On the most recent road trip before this one begins tonight, the Mariners went a whole turn of the rotation without a quality start, which is so uncharacteristic. Uh, the Mariners have found themselves uh, more often than usual behind in counts. This is a, a club that prides itself on first pitch strike. They've got a chance to be all-time greatest in a single season just in first pitch strikes this season. That's how, how much that has been uh, implemented in this pitching staff. And it just hasn't been as sharp. Uh, they've been behind more in more counts than typical, and the result of that is they've given up more runs. And when you couple that with an offense that naturally has cooled off, uh, added with a really gauntlet of a 10-game road trip to begin the month, uh, that's where the Mariners are. The good news for them, they've got a lot of head-to-heads left uh, with the Rangers in particular and still three remaining with the Astros. But right now, as we all know, if the playoffs started today, they would be out of it. Aaron, to your point, George Kirby in September, as you well know, has an ERA of somewhere around six. The, the team's lost all four of his starts. What's going on with him? Why is that? Yeah, Kirby's one of those guys where it feels like for the Mariners to be where they want to be, they got to find a way to get him right. And I, I don't know exactly what that process will look like, but I do know definitively that watching his last handful of starts that you referenced, it has not been the same George Kirby. His last two starts, he walked the first batter of the game, which – uh, I guess if you know if the pitcher is going to be rusty, it would probably be in the first inning. But there's something really arresting when you watch Kirby walk someone in the first inning, let alone the first batter that he faces. Uh, but he is when he's right, uh, and you guys have seen it either in person or from afar. When he's right, he he can be as nearly as dominating of a pitcher as the league offers with his combination of stuff and command. Uh, but he, I mean, we went into mid-August we went into the beginning of September and you're thinking hey he's not going to win the Cy Young but George Kirby is going to get votes and he still might Uh, he's had that good of a year Uh, but he has not been as sharp as is the case with a number of Mariners pitchers as well this month. Aaron you mentioned the run score they have 64 runs scored in September that's the four that's the fifth fewest like here in Blue Jay land it's Matt Chapman if he if he would sort of occasionally get the big time hit it, that that would help a little bit is there a guy in the Mariners order that other than the guys that are obvious names is there that guy that maybe if he would get hot it would help out a little bit more I think the the oddest thing about this year offensively for the Mariners has been the decline of Ty France. 
If you go back, guys, just go back to last year. Ty France was the everyday number three hitter for a 90-win team, playoff team, and an all-star. And yesterday, Ty France was batting eighth for the Mariners, and he has routinely hit in the bottom half of the lineup uh, for the last couple of months now at this point. Now, France is not a power guy. He's not going to go hit 30 home runs, but he's definitely 20 to 25 homers and a guy who's flirting typically around 300. He's a phenomenal breaking ball hitter. He uses the entire field. And there's a reason why when he was going good last year, he was one of the best right-handed bats in the American League, just pure hitter. And for whatever reason, uh, that has not translated to this year. It's been a very off year for the majority of the season. This is not just a recent thing. Scott Service hung with him in the three spot or in the top half of the order as long as he could. And it's now become commonplace to see Ty in the, in the bottom half or eighth, as was the case yesterday. But some type of production from him would certainly be uh, would go a long way. But the Mariners, when the Mariners are going right, I mean, it's funny. Some of the conversation you guys are having in Toronto in terms of the long ball uh, was had earlier this year for the Mariners. But you look at the Dodgers series, they hit one home run. They mm-hmm. won one home run three games, and they, and they stranded 30 runners. Yeah. This is not – the Mariners are not a hit-for-average team. Now, they were in August. They got every big hit you could imagine and some more in August. But when they are at their normal baseline-ish form – this is a draw walks, hit bombs. This is a team that's built around starting pitching and a dominant bullpen. That's the formula. It's pretty clear cut. And when those things aren't happening, it really stands out. Mm. Who gets the ball for Seattle in game one of a playoff series? Ooh. I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, look, it's a, a lot is going to depend, right? It, it, it may be irrelevant. If you, need, if you need the dude to go in the final game of the regular season, it's, you know, it, it, all bets are off. But who would be the guy, do you think? Would it, would it be Castillo that would get the ball? 100%. Yeah. I mean, Castillo has proven time and time again to be a big game pitcher. He has, It's funny, man. If you look at his season, I think it's been uh, – I, and I, I don't know if I can put my finger on this, but his numbers at the end of the season will rank among the very best in the American League, very best in baseball, certainly in the American League. He will receive Cy Young votes, and yet – I think if you ask some people, it doesn't feel as dominant as it was last year when he yeah. joined the season, the team, of course, midstream with the trade. But he has proven on the biggest stage to be one of the game's best pitchers in particular. I've always found that when there are more uh, people in the seats, the better he pitches. And we saw that firsthand last year in the playoffs. And I would imagine we would see the same this year if given the opportunity. He's the man. He's the guy for the Mariners. And he is the opening day starter. He is the ace of the staff, which – is on a staff, obviously, of great competition. There are so many good arms in that starting rotation, but he still remains the top dog. Okay, Aaron, I want to put you on the spot. The last 10 games of the season, that is seven against Texas and three against Houston. What do they have to go to get in the playoffs, you think? Well, I would say, I will, I will answer it by saying this. I think you need to win those series. I mean, I don't, I don't think the, the Mariners have now, after going two and four on the homestand yeah. and being swept by the Dodgers, uh, you, my theory going into yesterday's game, and you had the you had the hungover lineup for the Dodgers after they clinched the night before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my theory, my theory was you needed to have a W four going into Arlington on Friday. Stay off on Thursday. You needed a W four, meaning you went on Sunday against the hangover lineup with Logan Gilbert on the mound. That obviously did not happen. And then you need to sweep in Oakland, which I mean, hey, you guys have seen it too. The A's have won. They took a series from the Astros. Yeah. Right? Yep. <laughs> They're a, they're a bad team, but that doesn't mean they're not going to play, and they can't still take a series, let alone avoid a sweep. Uh, but I think the Mariners have 
after dropping seven out of ten to begin the month on the road and then having a two and four homestand, you have now put yourself in a position where, I mean, depending on if your goal is just to simply get in the playoffs as the number three wild card, or if your goal is obviously the ultimate, which is you still have a chance at the division. Mm-hmm. You can avoid the wild card mess and you can set up your rotation. And nobody wants to face the Mariners if they can line up their rotation in particular. Yeah. I mean, the same can be said about the Blue Jays in that regard. Uh, you need to find a way to win those series because the benefit you have as the Mariners, you are going head-to-head, toe-to-toe, mano-a-mano with the teams directly in front of you, which what else could you ask for in the final two weeks of the season? Absolutely. Aaron, thanks so much for doing this, man. Terrific insight. Yeah, Be well. Enjoy stuff. the baseball. Have fun. Great to be with you guys. Thank you. Aaron Goldsmith is the Seattle Mariners TV play-by-play voice. All right, let's shift focus. Man, when, when Texas left Toronto, um, I, I mean... They were in cruise control. They were in cruise control. The Jays were <laughs> smoking, smoking pile of whatever. Um, I mean, folks in this city were ready to bury them. Uh, I mean, let's be clear. The, the the Texas Rangers, the Texas Rangers base, that was every Blue Jays fan's worst nightmare. Like everything you thought about the team, even if you thought that at some point the pitching was going to come back down to earth, all that stuff, it manifested itself against the Texas Rangers. Lo and behold, the Texas Rangers go to Cleveland after what I would think is probably one of the best series of the year. And then they get outscored 23-6 by the Cleveland Guardians. Kennedy Landry is a Texas Rangers reporter with MLB.com, joins us on Blair and Barker. Kennedy, thanks for joining us. Uh, hey, what happened at Customs? Did, uh, did they have a difficult time uh, clearing Customs in Toronto or something? That, uh, that, that was shocking. Yeah, they sure felt like it. It just felt like everything that happened in Toronto, everything went right. The exact opposite happened by the time they got to Ohio. I mean, the pitching was was shaky. The offense really couldn't get anything going. And, you know, it clearly showed on the field losing to a team that's well below 500 and well out of the playoff uh, contention. So I I actually suppose you'd say, I mean, you know, you go on these big streak and then you go on a a losing streak. You know, what's the issue? And he said, well, if you you have the answer, give it to me because we're trying to figure it out too. And it's really hard to pinpoint what exactly happened with this team between those two series. Kennedy, can can the top four guys I know in in the Guardian series went six for 43? Obviously, Simeon and Seager, we sort of know what they can do. Lowe and Garber, can, can they do enough to make up for if Simeon and Seager, the bullpen, the rotation doesn't kind of do their thing, can they get enough hits, hit enough homers to help out a little bit? I think they can. I mean, you look at exactly what Mitch Garver has done since coming off the IL. He's been phenomenal. He's been, you know, a worthy person to step in that cleanup spot when Adolis Garcia went down. And Nathaniel Lowe's a guy who won a silver slugger last year. Um, I know he hasn't exactly put up the same numbers this season, but post-All-Star break, he's looked like the guy that, you know, you want playing first base to hit third or fifth in your lineup, especially between all these heavy hitters. Um, so I think you can't have you can't have a series where your top four hitters really go cold at the same time. But I do think Nathaniel Lowe, Mitch Garver, Josh Young came back today. You know, those guys have the ability to pick it up. It's when or if Marcus and Corey kind of slow down a bit. Um, I don't think Corey Seager is often going to have series where he you know goes one for ten, mm-hmm. and Marcus Simeon won't either. Um, but, you know, you have to have the depth and contingencies to plan for that, and I think the Rangers do have that. It's just not often it all goes quiet at once. Mm. 
what is Josh Young going to bring to this team down the stretch? Now, obviously, he had the, the I believe it was a thumb injury, fractured thumb, suffered uh, early in August. Now, it was on his it was on his catching hand, right? It was on the glove hand, I believe. Correct. So it's not it's not the throwing hand. But what will his return mean to this team? Because obviously we didn't see him in Toronto. Uh, and it's pretty apparent just looking at his numbers and having seen the Rangers on TV a bit. He's 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 been a pretty big part of of this team. Yeah, I think he's, first of all he's going to bring a shot of energy back to this club. You know, he's a young guy. He's energetic. He, he's fun. Um, just by, from a pure vibes perspective, I think he kind of just brings a lot to this club. Uh, and having him back on the field, obviously, he was a, the American League starter at third base. Uh, he pr- provides good defense, and he really links into this lineup. Again, we talk about those top four hitters, but you know, having Josh in the five hole or six hole or you know wherever he typically ends up hitting, that really connects the tops to the bottom of the lineup. It really keeps things going, keeps the baton passing, and having him back is going to do wonders for this club, especially when you look at how some of the, the guys that have been filling him in for him have done. Ezekiel Duran has, you know, really hot and cold stretches. Uh, Josh Smith is serviceable, but is more of a defensive infielder than he is a, an offensive bat. So I think the Raiders have clearly missed uh, Josh Young. It's not like one guy doesn't carry a baseball team, obviously, but I think you can't deny that missing Josh Young these last six weeks has mattered. Kennedy, where, where does the innings come in the rotation? Like the quality of the stuff, where's it coming from? <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to find it as well right now. I mean, <laughs> I think I think Jordan Montgomery has been uh, probably the biggest acquisition the Rangers made at the trade deadline. I mean, I know we, we look at Matt Scherzer and he went down, uh, and that was the flashy trade that the Rangers made at the deadline. But Jordan Montgomery has arguably been the Rangers' most consistent pitcher since uh, since August 1st. Uh, I think he's gone six or more innings in all but one of his starts. He's a, he provides quality innings, quality stuff. Um, and that's obviously what the Rangers need right now. Nathan Avaldi's coming off the IEL. He's really trying to get back to being himself. And John Gray has had kind of a roller coaster of the season. So theoretically, those are your three starters in a playoff series. And you really need them all to be hitting on all cylinders and, you know, down the stretch these last 13 games of the season. So the rotation obviously has been struggling a little bit, I guess you would say. And mm-hmm. the, the bullpen is what it is, and it has been all season. So you really need, like you said, the quality stuff from the starters so you don't have to lean on the bullpen as much down the stretch here. Kennedy, what's the best-case scenario for Adolis Garcia, and what would that mean for Evan Carter, who, as, as far as I can tell, really seems to have hit the ground running? Yep. The best-case scenario for Adolis Garcia is that he comes back, you know, tomorrow. Bruce Boshi said he could even come back today. Um, I don't see that happening, seeing as we're about two hours from first pitch now. But uh, he comes back, and I think I don't think you can even send uh, Evan Carter back to, to round rock right now. I mean, with what he's provided for this team. I think he's reached base in eight of his ten games. He's had a, a big home run out in Toronto, obviously, like you guys saw. And mm-hmm. I think the best outfield configuration for the Rangers right now is Evan Carter, Leone Tavares, and Adelis Garcia. Um, I know Robbie Grossman has been really on a hot streak right now, especially when he bats against lefties. Um, and Travis Jankowski has been really good. He's way outplaying his career numbers, but Evan Carter is the real deal. And I think, you know, we're seeing that he belongs here each and every day. And I know, you know, the injury to Adolis is really what necessitated that call up, but I don't think you can afford to send him back down at this point. And I think he will be a vital part of this Rangers lineup. Um, down stretch the rest of the regular season and if they make the playoffs as well. 
Kennedy, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. Be well. Beautiful. Thank you guys so much. Kennedy Landry covers the Texas Rangers for MLB.com. So they get Josh Young back. They may get Adolis uh, Garcia back today or tomorrow. Um, What's the pitching for me? I just don't. I just don't know where the quality comes from. That's yeah. Right. I, if, if the first I'm four guys you. in their order it don't hit, like they hit here. That that was the difference, right? And it just sort of took the pressure Corey off everybody Seager trying to fill in. One for the one, one for eleven. For 11. One for eleven. I think. Yeah. I mean, the one hell? for eleven. You could. That's a couple of games. Like that can yeah. happen, right? So, just it's how do you make up for that? That's well. And we saw the, the Guardians. Thing. We saw the Guardians pitching here. The Guardians do pitch. Yeah, there's no perfect team, though, right? But, the, all the oof. teams are, you know, it's the Jays. They got their their woes. The Rangers, their woes. The Mariners, their woes. I mean, there's woes everywhere. It's the, it's the, it's going to come down to the two teams that don't beat themselves. Yeah, that's that's who it's going to come down to. It's time for between the lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Mark Boffo. What's up, guys? Hey, all right, buddy. hey. So we got Rangers Red Sox on Sportsnet tonight. Another, uh, you know, big matchup for the wild card race here. Jordan Montgomery on the hill for Texas. Cutter Crawford on the mound for Boston. We're looking at the run total today. Over, under, eight and a half runs in the game. What do you guys think? Is this going over or under? I mean, I think it's I think it's going to go over. Texas, Texas needs to score a ton of runs to win. Uh, you know, we saw, we saw the Red Sox this weekend. Again, three for 33 with, with runner. I mean, they had their opportunities. I, this just screams a lot of offense for me, Kevin. Yeah, I think I'm with you. <laughs> I, I, Texas gave up 23 runs in three games against the Guardians. Yeah. That's a lot, right? They're gonna, that means the Red Sox, because of their lineup, because of the balance of the lineup, you know, pitching to weaknesses might not be the easiest thing. I'm with you. The first four guys in the order for the Rangers are not going to go six for 43. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to do better. Right, just the the quality of the stuff that the Red Sox are running out there doesn't ooze, you know, keeping the other team from scoring runs. So, yeah, eight and a half, nine runs is not a lot. So, I'll take the over. I don't think it's going to be by a lot. You know, bats are going to be squeezed a little tighter when it comes to the Rangers. They understand the next 13 games, they're going to think that they got to go nine and four, ten and three. Bats are going to get tighter. They're going to get dudes back who are going to try and do too much. I also wonder. It's not going to be the easiest thing. So I, th- I think it'll be by a little, but but not yeah. by a lot. Yeah, I also wonder if maybe there's not a. I mean, I can't imagine a team would would be looking ahead. Um, but you know, Texas has got some big games coming. Yeah, up. I don't think you can do that. Um, but mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just don't. I mean. Cutter Crawford, what, how many innings is he going to give you? You're going to have to get into the Red Sox bullpen. You've already got Texas's. I mean, Texas's bullpen. I think what they have a they had a couple of four run innings. The the bullpen gave up a couple of four run innings against Cleveland. I mean, we we saw all the stuff from the Rangers that we thought we were going to see in the Toronto series, and we didn't see. It just screams. It screams over to me. It does. Um, and and uh, again, I you know looking at the. I went back and looked at my score sheet from the last two Red Sox games. I mean, the number of runners left on base. Yeah. Was staggering. It was, yeah. It was staggering. Yeah, yeah. For the Red Sox. And uh, so it's not, as I said, it's not as if they didn't have their chances. It's not as if they didn't hit. It's not as if they were creating traffic. They just couldn't come through with 
they couldn't come through with the big hit when they That's when they more credit it. to the Blue Jays pitching staff I think than it, it is. is. You know, the, the hitters for the Red and Sox. Texas's staff is not Toronto's staff. Absolutely. So it screams more runs, but not too many more runs. This time of the year, it's not easy. Like, it's guys are coming back trying to do too much. Guys that have been there tired. Uh, it's just, this is, see what you're made of time. That was Between the Lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. We will continue our look around the wild card in the second half of the show. Ben McDonald, Baltimore Orioles analyst, Ooh. will join us. The Orioles are still battling it out with Tampa for the division. Now, both teams clinched a playoff spot uh, on the weekend. I've got to think if you're Baltimore, you're coming out of that series. I, I'll admit, you know, as much as we, we kind of like the Orioles, like coming out of that series, I, it wouldn't have surprised me if Tampa put the boots to him. But uh, um, Baltimore's... Yeah, I don't know where the back end of the bullpen is coming from when it matters the most. I, I'm Brandon Hyde, I mean, he's a miracle worker, but is he that big of a miracle worker? And the inexperience they have in their lineup, I know they're really good and they're athletic, but you wonder if that isn't that, if that doesn't show who's itself. Who's pitching game one and seven? Like it's gonna, they're gonna have to have some stuff from a bunch of guys, and I just don't know if they got a bunch of guys that won a World Series or not. Uh, Brian McTaggart covers the Astros. He will join us as well. But when we come back. It is Monday. Jason Stark of The Athletic joins us. We'll talk about Shohei Otani. Of course, we will. We'll talk about those Orioles clinching a playoff spot. The Rays. The Rays are going to get a new stadium. And uh, as always, we will talk to Jason about his thoughts on this AL wildcard races. These three teams battle it out down the stretch. Don't go anywhere. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fans, Sportsnet Radio Network. And if you're watching us on TV, well, that's on Sportsnet. Sportsnet.